This is the Life at Work podcast, an initiative of City Bible Forum. The Life at Work podcast is produced by City Bible Forum. To find out more, go to citybibleforum.org slash lifeatwork. Hi, I'm Andrew Laird and welcome to the podcast where we meet real workers wrestling with real workplace issues. Today, faith in the firestorm. It's amazing how liberating it is when you realise it's not up to you. And I just had to let go of the urge to control things and just hold on to the fact that God's working for my good and keep walking. My guest today is former Investment New South Wales CEO and champion for women in the workplace, Amy Brown. I'm Andrew Laird and this is the Life at Work podcast. Well, welcome to Season 3 of the podcast. It's wonderful to be back wrestling with a new range of workplace issues that affect people just like you. Now, how would you respond if you were caught up in the middle of a political firestorm, so much so that your name and face was splashed across the front page of newspapers and on the nightly news on TV? Well, that was exactly what Amy Brown found herself facing in mid-2022. And yet, looking back on that very challenging time now, she's come to see how God was at work powerfully in her life, refining her and deepening her trust in Him. So, to talk about all of that and more. Welcome to the podcast, Amy. Thanks for having me. It's uh, wonderful to be chatting with you. We'll come to that time uh, in your work life shortly, Amy, but just first take us back. Uh, You're a lawyer by background. How did you end up working in law and what were the things that you loved about it? Great question. So, when I was in high school, I actually wanted to be a professional actress. Um, But my parents basically said they'd support me in my dream if I did a university degree first. So I was thinking about what degree to do. I watched a lot of Ally McBeal at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe Suits is a more current kind of example. uh, And decided law would be fun with plenty of drama and ended up Mm -hmm. loving it. Fantastic. So the act acting dream was never realised? Yeah, kind of. I mean, for me, um, law part of a lawyer's job is to kind of write down and document what happens for every single what if you can think of. Mm. Um, and because I specialised in government infrastructure where the risks of a project are allocated between the public sector and the private sector, there are so many what ifs. So, one, it's one project we would do is a school, for example, building a school. Mm. So, what if a meteorite hits the canteen or a year 12 student does donuts on the ovals on muck up day or the pedagogy changes so much in the next 20 years you don't need classrooms at all. So all of that had to be written down somewhere uh, in case those situations emerged. Okay. And so I guess there's a a performative aspect to to being in law as well too where you got to express some of that perhaps. The creativity, Um, yeah. Absolutely. So working in... um, in the private sector, first of all, in law. But then in 2013, you moved into the public sector for the first time. And over the next few years, uh, you took on a variety of roles. Uh, Eventually, you were appointed as CEO of Investment New South Wales in early 2021. Tell us, uh, what is Investment New South Wales and what did your role as CEO involve? Sure. So, Investment New South Wales was a new agency of government that was set up in 2021. And the goal of Investment New South Wales was to make our state the best place in the world to visit, study, 
do business and have fun. So it covered everything from uh, how to get international students or talent to choose to live in New South Wales, how to get international business in future focused injury in industries like clean tech, med tech or space, for example, to set up business in New South Wales, how to make sure we have great places to go out at night that are safe, fun and cultural and how to run a great vivid. Um, so my mm. role as CEO involved bringing together lots and lots of diverse people and teams, um, helping people to feel their talents and perspectives and ideas are valued, uniting everyone around a common goal and delivering great pro programs for the good of New South Wales. Mm, a huge cross-section of things there that you had uh, oversight of. Yeah, it was very broad, which is part of what made it so yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, Amy, for people who haven't ever worked in the public service, most of our knowledge of uh, what that workplace is like perhaps comes from the TV series Utopia. Uh, I suspect you need to be a little bit diplomatic in your answer here, but uh, how close to the mark is Utopia to what working in the public service is like? Oh, Utopia the documentary or... <laughs> no, <laughs> just kidding. Um, I can't possibly comment. That would be giving too much away. Okay. We'll uh, we'll take that as uh, as an answer. Yeah. Look, um, to be fair and balanced, though, what is wonderful about the public service, and and why, as a Christian in particular, did you consider it to be a valuable place to be working? Yes. So um, I love being part of the public service. Uh, for me, it's an opportunity to have a tangible impact on the lives of the people of our state. And as a Christian, um, because I believe in the intrinsic value and equal worth of all people as image bearers of God, it follows that I believe each person deserves equal access to opportunities to help them feel productive, connected and well, which is literally the role of the public service to make something happen mm. that otherwise would not have happened and to make people, um, to make sure that every person is provided with great government service infrastructure and the ability to be connected to each other. Mm, mm. There's a real kind of egalitarian aspect to it there, isn't it? It's ensuring that no matter where you're from, what background, who you are, that um, that you're looked after and cared for and able to, f to flourish in our society. That's exactly, oh, you, you could be a public servant yourself. That was so accurate. <laughs> Maybe, maybe one day, maybe one day. Amy, I mentioned in my introduction, though, that uh, in 2022, uh, you found yourself in the, the middle of quite uh, uh, an extraordinary situation um, in, this, in this role that you had. For those perhaps unaware of, uh, of what happened for you, can you just give us perhaps a, a brief description of what, uh, what the firestorm was that you found yourself in the middle of? Yeah, so um, I won't say much. Uh, I will probably spend more time reflecting on what I learned and how my faith got mm. me through the situation. But uh, the short story is I was involved in a very high profile parliamentary inquiry, which attracted mm. a lot of media coverage and public commentary. That was the firestorm you referred to earlier. Um, mm. I was called to give evidence under oath because I was a public servant and head of the relevant department uh, that was connected to the situation. And essentially what I said in the inquiry ultimately cost me my job. Hmm. Hmm. And so that's an extraordinary thing to have to go through um, just personally. Um, but I guess also not just the, the, the reality of what happened for you with your work, but just the, the public focus and uh, interest there was in the time upon it. 
Can you prepare yourself for a situation like that at all? It's a good question. I mean, for me, the situation was so kind of bizarre and so unexpected. It really did feel like it came out of nowhere. In a way, not a lot could have prepared me um, because it Mm. was just something I couldn't have anticipated happening. But I think we're all in really challenging situations from time to time and particularly being so senior in the government, um, you know, head of a government department, I suppose we all should at least be prepared that something um, really full-on and stressful is going to happen at least once, Mm. if not multiple times in our career. So I think on reflection, some things that did prepare me that I feel like I I had was firstly Mm. just being really clear on who you are and what your values are, that no matter what the firestorm looks like for you, you're going to keep walking in those values, no matter how tough it gets or how high the pressure's turned up. Um, Mm. And then the other thing is know who your support crew are. So I often call it my Mm. break glass in case of emergency plan, and I think we all need one of those. Of course, there's your friends and your prayer warriors, but I think there's also people outside of your work situation who you can go Mm. to for wisdom, who can give you objective advice, help you play out the situation and how it's likely to unfold to get you better prepared Mm. and hold you to account, of course, in terms of your values and even give you legal advice if you need it. Um, And I think maybe I was a little slow off the mark on my break glass in case of emergency plan. And I think that's something Mm. I will probably um, do differently when I walk into my next big leadership challenge. Okay. Okay. Tell me, Amy, what what was the hardest part of it all? Was it the just how public this whole thing was? Was it the way people responded, colleagues responded, something else? What was, what was the hardest thing for you? Yeah, so the hardest part wasn't being on the front page of the paper, to be honest. Um, although walking my puppy dog at five o'clock in the morning, stepping over pictures of my own face was a little confronting with all the newspapers <laughs> that always seemed to fall mm. front page side up. Um, so that was obviously very surreal, but The hardest part was probably the very real impact it had on some of my relationships, particularly friends in around the public service who I was previously very close to. And that actually makes sense because we're made in the image of our God who is the God of relationships and he's called us to have good relationships with people he's brought into our lives. So when those are compromised um, or diminished, it's hard. I think it's just hard to kind of then work out what to do with that, um, again, if, if we love God first, then we're secure no matter what happens um, in situations or with the other people in our lives, but it's still very sad when things don't work out the way you'd hope they will. Mm-hmm. And that's so often the case, isn't it, in the workplace, that when things, um, things go hair-shaped, um, it's very much the relationships that often we can look at and see as being that was the, that was the, most, painful, the most painful part of it. Um, Amy, you've started to answer this question already, um, but what what were some of the other things that uh, that helped you in the midst of that? Mm. Um, the the people that supported you, the way the Christian community helped, um, things that you might have done personally in the midst to to, to cope with it all. Yeah. So. Yeah, as you mentioned, my Christian community were just invaluable during this time. Uh, I felt 
very upheld in prayer through the whole thing. My Christian parents, siblings, my closest friends, church family, and even people I'd never met were praying for me. And some of those I actually found Mm. out after the fact. And almost it made sense when I then realized just how many people were praying because whenever I had to walk into a really tough, fiery furnace sort of situation, I actually felt like I was walking on the prayers of others. Um, and the other thing that Christians did that I really encourage, um, you know, others to take, take as, as a good idea is send me links to Christian music. So a lot mm. of the times I was so exhausted. I'd walk my puppy dog at 5 a.m., as I said, and just having lyrics such as God's goodness never fails or the Lord is my shepherd, he goes before me, defender behind me, I won't fear. Having those streaming through my earphones, um, you know, as the sun was rising and as I was having to just walk in faith through whatever I had to face Mm. that day, that was so helpful because no matter how exhausted you feel, you can always play a song. (laughs) So that's Mm. that's what I was doing. Mm. Mm, mm. I guess it, it's a testament to just the the power of God's word, and that whether that's um, being read or or spa- sung uh, or spoken, yeah. just um, how nourishing and refreshing that that can be. Were there any particular? You mentioned song lyrics, but were there any particular Bible verses that uh, you look back on as having been significant for you? through that as well? Yeah, I mean, lots of them were in the Psalms around, Mm. you know, God, you know, he covers us with his feathers and um, his angels encamp around us and they lift us up in their hands so we won't strike our foot against a stone. Um, I think Jeremiah, you know, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future were huge like that that i mean that if that is the truth then no matter what we're walking through um we know that god has our best interests at heart and also that he who began a good work in me will carry it through to completion so this is all part of my story and he's writing my story into his much bigger story and um knowing that 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 god is intentional in what he brings us through um, it made, even though I couldn't make full sense of it, it made enough mm. sense of it that I could keep going. Mm. You say there, you know, even though I perhaps couldn't make full sense of it, there was enough to keep going. Can I ask though, were there times when you really did have to question or did find yourself questioning, what on earth are you doing, God? Um, look, I think my faith did stay pretty rock solid in so far as knowing that. Um, God is God of all things. Uh, he he has more authority, you know, he has ultimate authority and power over everything, even though I felt very kind of, you know, um, stressed and scared and, and in some ways weak in the situation. He, he has um, our best interests at heart. So I kind of knew all that, but I also knew that... Um, you know, faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. And I was very, very conscious that this did not make sense at the time, but that one day it would. So I didn't mm. have full kind of words for the why or the full, right, this is why this is happening and what it's going to lead to. But I did have faith that one day it would all make sense. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's a, a nice segue into where I want to go next in the podcast, which is really uh, exploring now, looking looking back on it. Um, 
seeking to discern what are the things that God was doing and what were the things that you you learned about God. But in addition to that, I'm wanting to also just explore your reflections on women in workplace leadership, which I know is something that you're particularly passionate about also. So we're going to take a short break, but when we return, we'll continue talking about those things with Amy Brown. What can you learn about God in 60 seconds? You might be surprised. God in 60 Seconds is a short soundbite that you can easily share with a friend to help start a conversation about the deeper things of life. Featuring Sam Chan, Andrew Laird and more, they're sure to get you talking. Check out the collection of episodes today. You're sure to find one that gets you and your friend talking. Go to thirdspace.org.au slash G-I-S-S. You've heard of IQ and EQ, but what about your EVQ? Grow in your evangelism quotient, or EVQ, so you know what to say and when to say it when you're sharing your faith. It's like IQ, but for your evangelism. Wherever you are in your evangelism journey, join one of our tailor-made programs with your own personal mentor. Find out more today at evq.org.au. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Amy Brown about being in the firestorm in the workplace. Uh, Now, Amy, about three months before all of this happened in 2022, you actually spoke at City Bible Forum's annual Life at Work conference, and the topic that year was uh, flourishing in the furnace. Uh, Little were you or I to know the the furnace which you're about to find yourself in. So just tell us, um, what have you learned about God through it all? What have you learned about yourself? Um, And so what might you say differently or what would you add to what you shared back then in light of the experience you've gone through now? Yes, I almost forgot that that was the topic of the talk. So maybe I could give the flourishing (laughs) in the furnace talk again, um, 2.0 and see, I would have definitely have a significant amount of content to add. We might need to double the time allocated. Um, Mm. but some stuff I learned. Oh gosh, so much. I think there's no doubt I'm a stronger person from having gone through, um, you know, 2022 um Mm. and not only stronger in terms of leadership in the workplace but stronger in my faith so god taught me so much in that time that i couldn't have learned any other way or else he would have taught me another way so i need you know Mm. there was a very specific reason why i walked through it um i think some of the stuff i've learned is that when you are walking through a valley again that doesn't make sense the best thing you can do is kind of keep praising him in any way you can. So mm-hmm. for me, um, just just keep centering my, myself around the fact that he's still on his throne and he reigns over all. Um, he promised that he, he has plans to prosper us and not to harm us, plans to give us hope and a future. And... All we can see in those times is the messy underside of the tapestry, but we need to trust Mm. he's weaving together the most beautiful piece of art that will make so much sense when we can see the whole picture. Um, Mm. Sometimes I use the word, I didn't quite make it up, but good hard, um, because some of the hardest things in our life are actually what strengthens us and refines our character well beyond um, what it would be if we were just cruising along. And then he can use us to do really wonderful things. So, you know, he who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion. 
all of this is about refining us like a precious metal so that we can be used in this world in some way, shape or form and then ultimately have an eternity in heaven where there is no more, um, you know, crying or pain and we are just together around his throne for an eternity. So there's a lot to look forward to. Mm, mm. So wonderful things about God's character there. You mentioned also uh, you learnt some things about leadership as well too. Can you unpack some of the some of the lessons that you learnt there? Yeah, I mean, I think having to be walk through a situation um, with courage and dignity, uh, mm. not just because you know those are my values as an individual, but it's also what I saw my role as a leader. Um, the kind of you know blame shifting uh, or defensiveness or armour that people can have um, when, you know, they're not coming from a place of self-worth or all they have to go on is Mm. what everyone else thinks of them. I think really centering around the fact that um, I'm made by God in his image um, and I, I am worth worth that because I am worth a lot to him and I am worth dying for by Jesus. I think just Mm. standing from that place of worth meant that when I walked through it, um, I was a lot more courageous than I would have been if I didn't have my faith. Um, Mm. And I feel like now that I have been refined in that way, I'm... I'm more, um, I'm stronger in so far as I'll be able to face workplace challenges from an even an even greater place of confidence because, you know, I've I've lived through it and um, mm. and you know it, it, it was pretty full on. So whatever whatever <laughs> challenges lie ahead, you know, we're never ready, ready. But I'm definitely feeling more ready than I would have been otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. So Amy, say someone comes to you today and says. Amy, does God really make a difference in the tough times? What would your response to them be? Oh, my goodness, yes. Um, <laughs> my, I know for sure my situation would have been so different if I hadn't had my faith. It's amazing how liberating it is when you realise it's not up to you. And I just had to let go of the urge to control things and just hold on to the fact that God's working for my good and keep walking. Um, I used a quote the other day, peace isn't about being in control, quite the opposite. Peace is about knowing someone else is in control. And Mm. last time I checked, he put the stars in the sky and commands the sun to rise every morning and set every evening and holds the whole world in his hands. So I can trust that he knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Look, that's a wonderful reminder. So thank you for sharing that. I want to shift gears a little bit now to uh, an issue that, I know you're passionate about, and that is women in the workplace, and in particular, women in workplace leadership. Tell us, um, where does this passion and interest in this come from for you? Um, well, a lot of it comes from the Bible. So, um, if you yes. think of all the characters in the Bible, <laughs> Phoebe founded her own church, and the woman at the well evangelized a whole village. God called Deborah to lead a nation. Mary sat at the table of Christ, um, and the woman, uh, the the woman, the valiant woman in Proverbs thirty one, uh, she's mm. she's very entrepreneurial and very wise and strong. And um, there's so there are a lot of women that we can learn from in the Bible. Um, I also, I think, I firmly believe actually that women's been called to lead in our workplaces for such a time as this. Mm. As we've emerged from COVID, people in our workplaces, I think they want to be seen even more than they did before. They want to feel valued. They want to feel supported. They want their leaders to be authentic and care about them and lead in a spirit of humility and service. Uh, There aren't 
gendered lines to that, but and some of the leaders I respect most for possessing those leadership qualities are men. But I can't mm. help feel that women have a natural inclination toward a lot of those traits and decision makers around the country are well and truly realising it. And that's why you see um, a lot of women rising up in their workplaces into great leadership roles. Uh, and mm. also just to add, workplace leadership doesn't need to be as formal as you might think. So if you look behind you and there's one person coming after you, you're a leader and you're called to be a leader and lead as, you know, read Philippians 2, read as, lead as Jesus did in, a, in, a, in humility and in a spirit of service. Hmm. What challenges, perhaps, have you have you found to um, uh, progressing in leadership uh, in the workplace as a woman? And I'm thinking particularly um, from a Christian perspective. Have is it something that you felt well supported in, or have there been areas where you've thought, ah, oh, I'd love if the Christian community could um, get behind me here as I God leads me down this particular career path? Yeah, of course. So I think um, I don't think women need to have an existential crisis about um, workplace leadership because everything mm. we do, whether it's caring for kids or loved ones serving at church, working in the secular workplace, fits into God's bigger picture bigger picture and purpose for the universe so just remember that our workplaces are spiritual places and our work has infinite value and there is a bit of a kind of divine appointment as to why god has put you in your workplaces you're not there by accident Hmm. I think some of the challenges, though, um, and this is more across the board, but women are more likely to be pulled in many different directions, caring for everyone else, and then be expected to pile workplace leadership on top of that. Um, hmm. Big generalisation. But regardless, I think that, that basically um, leads me to calling out to men to step up. This is your chance to step up hmm. and share more of the load when it comes to your family. Um so that the women in your life can lead well and not have to, mm. um, you know, again, pile on, pile on workplace leadership on top of doing everything else. So perhaps make sure you're being realistic about what's really required in your household and how much you really do or realistically don't do and actively mm. assign yourself some more tasks because if, if your wife is working, um, you know, in paid work, that is, then... Mm. That means that the w other working, which is the working at home, needs to be shared mm. a bit more, fifty percent. So, um, yeah. yeah, just to, I just really call out to men to think about that, and because um, mm. your your wife has a lot of talent and it can be used in unpaid work, and that's great, but it can be used in paid mm. work too. And I think God is really rising up Christian women in the workplaces. <laughs> so, say, Amy, a, a Christian woman comes to you and says, "Look, I, I feel like God is calling me to positions of of leadership in the workplace." Are there particular things that you might encourage her in, uh, in terms of the unique opportunities that she might have uh, as a Christian uh, in workplace leadership? Or are there other things perhaps that you might um, warn her of or prepare her for? Yeah, look, I think it's really um, particularly important for women, including Christian women in leadership, that we have really good mentors and champions, um, not just that can give us advice about our careers, although that is really important, um, but also that can kind of, you know, speak up for us and um, speak about our talents and, and our capabilities and maybe put our name forward for opportunities, you know, when we're not in the room. And I think that's something mm. that I've been blessed to have through my career um, is people who'll say, you know, who would, you know, who could give that a go? Um, and, you know, then, then put 
me forward to see how to see if that works. Um, mm. So, and I think churches could maybe be a bit more proactive in that. There's there is kind of mentoring in churches, but it's not often the women in the workplace kind of mentoring. Um, mm. And I think it would be great if we could get get that get that a bit more um, and get a bit more kind of diversity in women's events. Um, you know. I don't really like baking, so I'm not really going to go to a baking event, but I would go to an event um, that's about, you know, politics or sport or poetry or art mm. or leading in the workplace or any of those things. So the more diversity we can have in that, the more women will be bumping into each other who can actually be a blessing and encouragement and advice giver um, to mm. each other that they might not have otherwise. Mm, mm. We need to uh, hold up stories like yours, for example, uh, to give, um, uh, I guess, a model of, of what, it, what it can look like, knowing full well that it's not uh, one size fits all, of course. Yeah, that's exactly right. As you said, there's often a gap in, um, in the church in terms of uh, speaking into uh, women's working lives, their paid employment. So are there particular areas, particular challenges where you sort of have thought, be great for the church to speak into that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think um, probably more generally, and it would flow through to um, women feeling kind of confident and ready to take on new challenges in the workplace, is just giving more of a platform and more of a voice for our women more generally. Um, mm. To me, you know, we are all equal in the eyes of God and equality, yeah, it starts with voice, right? So, um, I find that there's a lot of um, men tend to dominate the more visible ministries and women are a bit more in the background, which is hmm. fine to many extents. But how do we enable women with those kind of more overt gifts of things like prophecy and teaching and wisdom from, you know, that can actually be shared a bit more from up the front. Um, mm. And I think that kind of, that would then, um, I suppose, help help women to feel less friction where in the workplace they're called to be leaders and they might be natural mm. leaders, but in the church context they feel they're not called for that. Um you City Bible Forum hosted the Undeceptions Conference recently and mm. four women with PhDs speaking for 45 minutes at a time with incredible expertise in a compelling fashion, experts in their field. And I feel that those capabilities and expertise of those academic and teaching powerhouses really broadened my mind as to the kind of attitudes and understanding of just how capable women are. Um, and the more that we have the opportunity to to see that and showcase it and celebrate it in our churches, yes, within your, your kind of denominational, um, you know, parameters, mm. that's absolutely fine. But what are the opportunities for women to have more of a voice? Because it's very sometimes I'll um, I'll have you know a friend at church, and we've been chatting for weeks and weeks, and I don't actually know what she does for work. And then I'll mm. actually find out she has an amazing leadership role at a big corporate with a lot of influence. And I think, oh, gosh, it'd be it, it, some of, for some of our, um, you know, people earlier in their careers coming through who are women and don't quite know what to do. It would be so good for them to, to, to know, mm. you know, to know your story and to know your capabilities and where you feel God's called you. But we don't get as much of an opportunity to share our stories. Um, 
And I feel that is sometimes divided a bit along gendered lines and and Mm. we can be more proactive in helping women to get a voice around that. Yeah, yeah. So more telling of the stories. We need to be doing more of that. That's a good encouragement. Finally, Amy, I've heard you say before that when it comes to leadership in the workplace, your example ultimately is the person of Jesus. So just to close, could you perhaps uh, just unpack for us a little bit how you look to Jesus as a model for the kind of leadership you seek to bring to the workplace? Yeah, of course. So, um, it's so much, it's so interesting when, you know, when you read the Gospels, just how much time Jesus spent on this earth working um, mm. and resting too, by the way. But, you know, he, he healed the sick and he fed the poor and he raised Lazarus from the dead and he fed the 5,000 and he taught in the synagogue and stood up against um, religious corruption. So, he was very active in in work, which is fantastic because then we can look at him and say, okay, how did he work and lead? Um, I'm always interested at how fiercely present he was. So when he found out his friend Lazarus was sick, he actually stayed where he was and preached for two more days. And, you know, the the people that he interacted with, I feel like they felt like when Jesus was with them, you know, they were the only person in the world. He was so... um, attentive and present as to their individual needs and their value you know and that just and he was actually quite radical in that way um Mm. because again the way he treated and valued women as much as men actually for his time he was quite ahead of his time in that respect um Mm. But also just leading in humility. I mean, when you read Philippians 2 and it talks about um, consider others, you know, look to the image of Jesus um, and consider others better than yourselves and put everyone before yourself and have that kind of servant leadership. Um, You know, a lot of our, the great um, writers of this time on the topic of leadership, like Simon Sinek and Brene Brown and Adam Grant, they mm. all talk about the value of leaders eat last, that kind of servant leadership mentality. Um, and Jesus, like, he was, <laughs> he was the original. So, um, mm. you know, seeing how he interacted and led people was just so humbling. Um, and I think if we can even have 1% of his humility and his, you know, ability to look at people as individuals created by God, valued by him with eternity written on their hearts, um, then we will, we will treat people so much better than we, than we may otherwise. So it's definitely a calling and there's a reason that God modeled it for us in the person and work of Jesus. Mm. Look, that's a wonderful note to finish on, the example of Jesus, his example of service, his example of being present also. I found that really helpful to reflect on too. So, Amy, thank you so much for sharing your experience, the way God has sustained you through the the challenges and the firestorms of the workplace and uh, the encouragements as well for uh, women and leadership and the ways as a church we can seek to be empowering uh, women in those roles as well too. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, look, that brings us to the end of episode one of season three. Thank you so much for joining us again. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And why not share or leave a review so others can find us easily as well too. On our next episode, The Barefoot Disciple, author, entrepreneur and accountant, Jokul Fran, 
on work, wealth and wise habits that will change your relationship to money in a radical and exciting way. But until then, I'm Andrew Laird and you've been listening to the Life at Work podcast. Enjoyed this podcast? Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing and leaving a rating so others can find us too. Join us next time on the Life at Work podcast with Andrew Laird.